0: we're back it's another carolina podcast recruiting extravaganza the early signing period starts tomorrow we are uh, obviously less than 24 hours away i don't know when it officially starts like 7 a.m 8 a.m 4 a.m yeah 7 7 a.m okay cool so we're 22 hours away from the early signing period chris clark wes mitchell Pearson fowler bill gunner We'll all be on 107.5. I'm Pearson Todd. I don't know why I refer to myself in the third person. We're all going to be on 107.5 The Game doing the recruiting extravaganza, Gamecock Central takeover of 107.5 The Game from 9 until noon, keeping you up to date with all the letters of intent that are signed as they roll in. Uh, any other recruiting news that breaks, so if y'all want to keep up with it, obviously keep up with these guys on Twitter, at GC Chris Clark at West Mitchell GC. And listen to 107.5 The Game tomorrow from 9 until noon, and we'll have everything for you, including live interviews. We got to talk to a bunch of guys last year, Ryan Helensky, uh, John Dixon, a couple other guys. Um, So it's a lot of fun, and we're here to give you the ultimate primer, everything that you're going to need to know to be in the know for tomorrow. Because otherwise, if you just tune in and you don't know what's going on, you're going to feel lost, and you're going to be embarrassed in front of all your friends, because they're going to have listened, and they're going to know what's up, and you're not.
2: We do have one really good interview already completely locked in, probably oh, okay. for the first hour. I don't even know yeah. about this, so, so this is
0: great. I'll ask yes. you after the podcast, and everyone else can wait. So we until tell everyone tomorrow. or make them wait? No, we'll make them wait. Yeah, okay, but at least until good. the end of the podcast. Okay, okay, all right, cool. So first things first, before we get into some of the specific guys, let's look at Carolina's class as a whole right now, and you know, recruiting rankings. You can argue with them in terms of like where exactly they are, if Carolina's 18, 19, 20, whatever. But South Carolina is somewhere in the high teens, low 20s. I think the consensus kind of number right now is 19, based on all the guys that have committed. The 72-hour window, I don't know how much is going to surprise Carolina fans, the Carolina staff. But that being said, how much room is there for South Carolina to move, I guess, hopefully up, but possibly down um, from where they are right now?
1: Well, right now on Rivals.com, you look at the team rankings, they're 21st. <clears throat> the thing about team rankings it's tough to calculate is that, you know, we can take hypotheticals and say, okay, if South Carolina adds this guy and that guy or if they add both of these guys, and, of course, there's still a February signing period too, so this none of this will be locked in in terms of where they fall. But you could say even if South Carolina adds these two, they're going to add this many points, and that will move them up to this point total. Well, it's not exactly accounting for, you know, who does Georgia add? Who does Penn State add? Who does Tennessee, Texas? All these schools that are above South Carolina or even some below, Mississippi State, Stanford, Iowa, Kentucky. You know, what guys do they add? Because then you weigh it all together, and that's, of course, how the rankings come out. But right now, South Carolina is 21st. And, you know, just to give a general idea, like right now, South Carolina has 19 commitments, and you look at how they're counted. It's one five-star, Marshawn Lloyd, three four-stars and 14 three-stars. They've got a chance tomorrow to add another three-star, and the potential to add a five-star. So that would give them two five-stars. That's obviously going to give you a pretty big bump. But you look at, say, Georgia. They've got a lower number of commitments, which has affected their point total. They got 15, but they have three five-stars, ten four-stars. They're up at number 14. So uh, South Carolina is not going to jump them. So when you look at how high can they go, can they get into that top 15, whether it's tomorrow or eventually by February, yes. But right now, you couldn't say they'll go much higher. Uh, As to how much they could slip, that's a little bit harder to tell. I mean, maybe maybe a couple spots. I don't think they're going to slip significantly, you know, when you're just looking at what's going to happen tomorrow. But they got a chance to move up a little bit, I think.
0: So you're expecting that by the end of the early signing period, South Carolina will have 19 guys in this class, leaving them
1: six spots for February in between? Right now, they've got 19. So right now, they got 19. Um, By the end of the early period, you know, your ideal scenario is to have 21 mm-hmm. commitments um and then you've got to consider that you know you've got some guys that are counted you know from from the from the grad transfer market so um or tran- just the straight transfer market but
2: yeah so three three guys from that were already on campus yep. had to already have counted towards this class basically so your Tavian Feasters your Nick Muse your uh, Matt Oliveri, they all three had to count towards this class.
1: Okay, so Carolina can
0: only sign twenty-two here.
2: Total, total, yes. okay, total.
1: Right. And and there is some flex. Uh, how are they going to do it, right? Because they've got more than three targets left. There's some flex. There's room for flexibility there. Some guys, you know, most of the class again is going to sign tomorrow on Wednesday. There are some guys that for various reasons are not going to sign, and so. Um, you know, for, I mean, for instance, we haven't even added Zaquandre Wright to the commitment list because he's a February guy. Just sort of wait. Daquan Stewart's not going to sign until February. Alex Huntley, all indications are he is solid, but he's also going to wait. That makes total sense. I mean, he's uh, he's a summer enrollee. Hammond, you can't graduate early. You know, just, just wait it out. Um, so th- there's a few of those situations. And then South Carolina has uh, also the potential to um, – you know, get a little bit creative with the numbers down the stretch, and it just depends on some of the guys that they're going to land or have a chance to land between now and the in February, the late signing period.
2: There is a great truism when it comes to college football recruiting, and it is that the numbers will always work out. Always make them work.
0: I think – Think this is good that I'm hosting this because I know so little about recruiting. I'm going to ask all the questions that hopefully some of our listeners, although some of our listeners no doubt know more about recruiting than I do. So I might ask some dumb questions over the course of this thing, even though I've done this. I did this with y'all last year. Uh, I did this with y'all through the entire offseason. I don't know why I still haven't figured out uh, this recruiting game. Uh, but South Carolina, as you mentioned, one five star, three four stars right now committed, and several more five and four star targets. So, what is the realistic high end for South Carolina to finish? This class with in terms of four and five star guys because I am I'm someone that of late you know I I know that football is a developmental game but I know that football is also all about recruiting and I, ever since I read I don't remember where it was written but somebody wrote something about the blue chip ratio and looking at all the national champions and the percentage of the roster that was four and five star guys and so I'm always just kind of monitoring how close South Carolina is to that number obviously you mentioned four there's a couple more targets you mentioned Boogie Huntley is a four star guy he's not expected to I guess, put pen to paper until February, but still counting a part of the class. So, what do you think? Is currently going to finish with six, four, and five-star guys? Seven, eight? What did you say it was right now?
1: I, think, I guess four, because they have one, one five-star and the other and three four-star four guys. Yeah. Um. Obviously, and the rankings will get updated again. Yeah, rankings. So. We'll go
2: with our the current, current rankings. Obviously, the guy everybody wants to talk about, wants to hear about, that we'll hit later on, is Jordan Burch. So, that was one potential five-star. Um. Jaheim Bell is more of a high three-star um, player that South Carolina has had as a top target. We feel, I think, good about where they are with him, but wouldn't necessarily hit your four- or five-star uh, sort of threshold there. Um, you know, there's some other guys, Zachandre White, who's not listed yet on the commitment list. If everything checks out with him, I think they're continuing to monitor, um, you know, just his overall situations, his grades, academic stuff like that. He could potentially get added to the list. Um, Reggie Grimes, who, uh, you know, is currently committed to Oklahoma, but looks like he very well could push his decision back to February. Um, That'd be, what are we at, three now? Um, You know, you look at, you know, Henry Parrish is a guy that's still out there at running back. But but if if we're sort of handicapping this thing, there's no way that you're going to add officially add the white and yeah you're Taylor not gonna Parrish. get four running back, yeah so so, <laughs> so one of the two potentially um and then you know they're, they're still after malik heath that's a guy that they've sort of quietly worked and i i still think it'd be a little bit of a surprise if they got him chris i don't know about you I'm but he is a four-star yep. guy junior college receiver um who we sort of continue to track committed to mississippi state looking at florida looking at south carolina um so, yeah, I, I would say realistically, what do you think, Chris? Th- three, as in potentially Jordan Adding. Birch. Yeah. Yeah. Potentially Jordan Birch, potentially one of the four star running backs. Yep. And then, um, Reggie potentially Grimes. Reggie Grimes.
1: Yeah. I think that would get, and, and so that would push that number to seven.
2: Yeah. And I, obviously, I think we both feel good about where they stand with Jaheim Bell. He'd be a high three star. Then, um, I really think they're going to add Ja'Kari Caldwell in February Mm -hmm. from everything I've heard. That's the rising Northwestern receiver. He'll get a bump in the rankings, I believe, but I think it'll be more like a three-star.
0: I think right now he's listed as a two-star, so I guess that that bump would be three. But uh, as we sit here and talk about this, do you all believe in the blue-chip ratio? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I do. What were you about to say? Well, I was going to say just, and I know we said we're going off the current rankings, but just something to keep in mind is I think Eric Shaw probably has a chance to move up to four star status. Yeah, really big senior year. He was impressive at the Alabama Mississippi All Star game. He's already been on the cusp as a five seven three star, so right on the line. So, um, you know, could be some adjustments there. But no, I mean, you look. I, I was just looking through. I mean, there are, um, I think, sixteen schools right now that have a five star committed in the country, to have one five-star at least. Um, now, a lot of those are name-bearing programs. Some are not as much. South Carolina is one of them. Kentucky is one of them. Um, but, you know, you get a lot of – you got Clemson, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, A&M, Florida, Auburn, you know, you, schools like that. Washington, Oregon, Notre Dame, Texas, Stanford. Those are the schools. Now, other one, other schools – Obviously, have a chance between now and February to add one or even multiple five stars, and some of these others that already have one committed might add more. You know, and so, but there aren't um, even that
0: many, right? This, I've no, just I just mean, realized that in the spring when we were doing, I guess, some other kind of recruiting podcast, maybe for National Signing Day, but there ended up being how many in this class at this point? Twenty-five.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's typically twenty-five to thirty. Now, there's somewhere in the thirty range this year. Mm-hmm. You know, is is what you've got, and so, uh, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question. Look, if you, if you sign a top five, top ten class, and, and sometimes your number – I mean, Clemson has not always signed the number one class in the country. They might this year, but it would be the, the first, really. I know, since I can remember – Wes, do you remember one? I don't think they've ever signed the first number one class. They may they. actually do it this year because this year they've got the star power and the numbers. Sometimes they've signed a 14-, 15-, you know, 18-man class. Uh, given that you can in the team rankings you can count the top 20 guys that's gonna you know dock your points sometimes um but it look if you sign a top five top 10 class year after year after year your chances of being good go way up now it's not just because like guys aren't running around on the field going oh man I'm a five star that means I'm no it's <laughs> just like it's just a byproduct a lot of times your guys that are five star players high four star players everybody wants them and that's because they're really good players and so um you can if you do that you've got a better chance now remember florida state back in the day before when they fell off they were still bringing in really talented classes on paper but the problem was some of the guys were overrated um they they had they recruited some guys with a high bust rate the personalities you know the types of guys they were recruiting so you got to have that balance but if, if you told me every year you can sign the number 6 class 4 years straight or, or you could throw that out the window and take your chances with number twenty-five, thirty. I mean, obviously, you pick the the top ten class.
2: Yeah, I think, and this may sound weird coming from someone who covers recruiting and has been in this for a long, long time, but I, I don't necessarily b- believe in recruiting rankings for an individual prospect. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, think y'all complain about them a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I just I think there there's so much. There's so many variables that contribute to whether a guy's successful or not um, you know that you really can't account for at all times. You can try to, but you can't and you're talking about evaluating so many guys that you're not you don't get like the you're not seeing that player every day you're not seeing them every week because it's impossible to see every player every week so then the the people that maybe do see a player every single week they're maybe in that town or on that coaching staff. Um they maybe have a better feel for if this guy's gonna be, you know, good or not at the next level. But then you have they're probably biased because they're they all think their guy is really good. So it there's no science to it necessarily. It's an art. Yes, but I, I think so individual, I think it's it's very easy to be like, oh well that's a five star and he was a bust. And it's very easy to be like That guy's a two star and he was a first round pick. Anybody can sort of pick and choose. I think the totality, like that that's why I sort of do like the blue chip ranking, because it's it's more about what have you done overall? How many if you get enough if you stack enough of these guys, then you got a pretty good chance to be pretty good. Now, like Chris said, if you if you sign a bunch of guys who just aren't good kids or don't work hard and stuff like that, then you probably have a culture issue within your program you have you have to sort of balance out all these other factors but and that's how you end up with Florida State yeah but but make no mistake you have the I think the the upside potential of your program is like infinitely higher if you have a bunch of guys who athletically are capable of doing what you need to do to compete week weekend week out as opposed to having guys that athletically just are not able to do the things needed.
0: All right, Chris, you have the recruiting rankings pulled up, it looks like. I saw you scrolling through something. Yes, sir. Who sure has do. the number eight class in the country right now? <laughs> All right, number eight
1: currently. I will bring that up for you. This is the most just epic world up ever.
0: Auburn is the number eight class yes. in the country right now.
1: Okay. Okay what is
0: their composition of four and five star guys compared to two and three star guys
1: one five star the 20 total commitments which is the max cap that your 20 highest ranked guy but they've got 20 anyway so five uh, one five star eight four stars eleven three stars so your average star ranking is 3.5
0: so carolina is approximately four or five four star prospects per class away from being in that top ten kind of range yeah because I guess auburn's I guess Auburn would be right at that blue chip because nine out of the twenty guys they're counting are four and five star guys, which is I mean I guess a little bit below because you're talking about a class of twenty five or maybe it's twenty three or twenty four. I don't know the exact number for Auburn this year, um, but they're even still like just a little bit below that, but would still get you into that top ten where you're talking about being competitive. I
1: but the, and you know like Oregon's number eleven. They're behind Auburn, but they've got one five star and nine four stars. They got more, hmm. you know. So, but they also have
0: the well, and they have the number one recruit in the country, right? And the offensive lineman that committed no doing uh, something.
1: the number one guy is Breesy now on Rivals right yeah, yeah Brian well, Breesy. was the guy that had the whole Compton. TV special it was like a halftime
0: of some basketball game maybe
1: you got know. me on that
0: lineman Did, didn't Oregon get a no lineman that was very very highly was that last year maybe I don't know it does yeah, it's not this
1: year they've got the their top guy this year I think is no as a uh, Sewell the linebacker from uh, I think Utah is their top guy this year they do have a five star uh, uh, but um yeah another thing you got to consider is like. You go, well, how, how is Oregon behind? You know, they have – how are they behind Auburn? You know, uh, Auburn, you know, your four stars, you've obviously got a big – you know, you can go from about number 35 to 250 and then below even. There's, what, I don't know, 10 or 20 guys who are four stars um, who are not in the Rivals 250. So you got, you know, the top – out of the top, say, call call it 275. You know, the top 275 guys, about 30, 25 to 35 of them every year are going to be five stars. The rest of them are four. So not all those guys are really created equal. You know, your upper, upper echelon four-star, even in the team rankings, are going to be worth a lot more than a four-star that's not in, you know what I'm saying, in that top 250. That's how they stagger the rankings.
0: So can we do a little sidebar? Because I don't understand this. And, again, this is where hopefully those of you listening aren't bored because you already know this. There is a score there is a scoring there is an objective metric these guys if it's a 4 and 5 star guy they have like a 15 digit number it's like you know 15,000 decimal places or whatever and y'all have explained that part of it is it just as simple as adding all of these guys composite scores together and then whoever has the highest number has the best class and you organize it like that
1: yeah so basically the the team rankings formula is just each guy in the class is worth a certain number of points so there's a baseline, you know, a five star is worth this number of points. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, there's sort of a subset of if the guys rank between number one and number five overall, you get a certain number of bonus points. You know, it's like take a four star. If he's a 5.9 four star, because four star goes from 5.8 to 6.0, there's like a little sub ranking in there. So if you got a 5.9 four it's worth this number of points, Um, if he's rank between number 130 and 200 say you know depending on what spot certain number of bonus points so then you add all that together you take the top 20 highest ranked guys and then you're good to go just add it together
0: so what's auburn's score
1: auburn right now is uh they have 2184 points
0: 2184 and yep. what's carolina's score
1: uh 1738
0: okay so they're a ways off like 400 points yep all right cool um, so there you go. There's math for you. I hope you aren't listening to this in the morning because the morning is not the right time to be doing math. Uh, Wes, you started to hit on this already a little bit, so we'll jump into some of the individual guys. Carolina has 19 committed right now. They, I guess, theoretically can sign as many as 22. Some of the uncommitted targets for South Carolina that will be making a decision one way or the other, we think, in the next three days. You already mentioned Malik Keith. But we're not going to start with him. One, because you already mentioned him. And two, because he's not the most interesting name on the list. Jordan Birch, whose name we very intentionally avoid on this podcast for the rest of the year. Because very little information on him. Keeps everything very close to the vest. But we are now in the week that he is going to decide where he wants to play college football. And I think every single fan base is a buzz. I think every single fan base thinks that they're going to get him. They have Mm -hmm. a reason. They know someone that knows someone that said that they heard that Jordan Birch is going to go to his or her school. What are you hearing about five-star defensive end Jordan Birch?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it, man. You look at these five schools, and uh, you have South Carolina, Clemson, LSU, Georgia, and Alabama, and those are the final five, and they've been the final five for um, a long time now. I don't remember when he sent out that official tweet, but that, that's sort of been the group, and uh, and like you said, I, I think there is – literally some level of confidence um, in probably the camp of all five of those programs. I think we, if we're going to start sort of kicking teams out and eliminating teams, I think we can at least eliminate Alabama. Um, now, I, I think uh, from, from what Alabama has, from what I've seen reported on some of their sites, there may even actually be some level of confidence from those guys. But I think we can eliminate Alabama. Uh, Jordan Birch hosted coaches from all five schools last week. So last week, all five head coaches were in Columbia meeting with Jordan Birch and family. That was sort of the final part of the process. Um, then, this past weekend, much to, I believe, the surprise of uh, probably a couple of other schools, he pops up in Georgia for an official visit so um, interestingly enough Jordan Birch has taken official visits to Alabama LSU and Georgia has taken multiple unofficials to South Carolina a few unofficials to Clemson but did not take official visits to either in-state program which I believe the decision to pop up in Georgia surprised South Carolina Clemson and potentially LSU um where does all that leave us at this point um Unless Jordan Birch is going to walk in this room right now and tell us which I believe the chances of that happening I forgot are, to text
0: him and tell him which studio we were in.
2: Uh, see, he's probably downstairs right yeah. now. But um, I don't know. I believe, and Chris, you can hop in, I believe we are truly at a situation where this is a recruitment where I don't know if anyone maybe outside of Jordan Birch and his mother actually... Knows. I, I think some people think they know. I think some schools have been told different things to make them feel pretty good. But and as we're recording this at nine forty seven a.m. on Tuesday, a little more than twenty four hours out of his announcement, which is at two thirty on Wednesday afternoon. I don't actually know if Jordan Birch knows where he's going. Which, if I was eighteen years old, that That'd would scare stressful. me to death. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I. I think, and and by the way, throw in a little quick, we were doing sort of recruiting uh, education earlier in the show. This is a dead period, but that does not mean there cannot be phone conversations. That's sort of something that always gets misconstrued. Dead period means that you can't visit, a, a kid can't visit campus, a coach can't visit the kid right now. But there will be an infinite number of phone calls between college coaches and high school prospects in the next 24 hours as they're jockeying for final position on kids. And I tend to believe that the Jordan Birch saga, behind closed doors, on the telephone, right now as we speak, is still ongoing, and that if anyone says they know where he's going right now, they are mistaken.
0: So you don't think it's a done deal that he's not going to Carolina or Clemson just because he didn't take officials there? No, not at all. Just
2: because... Well, he's from Columbia. He's been he's been to South Carolina many, many, many times. Mm. Um, but isn't that a really easy way to indicate your interest
0: to take an official? I, f- I feel like him going to Georgia in an official capacity last weekend was
1: a, a pretty strong tip of the cap. Means he's interested, doesn't mean he's going there. Yeah, I, I mean the one thing that we like. There's a lot of things Westing vouch for this. There's a lot of things we've heard in this recruitment that have turned out to be completely untrue or just things that people have said that we didn't even hear, that you're like, where did they hear that? There's no chance it's true, and it's definitely not true. Um, but one of the things that we do know for sure is we always, is we heard, I can't remember when, we, you know, probably back in the summer, you know, there's a lot of stuff going around in spring or summer about when's Jordan going to commit. You know, will he do something this summer? Will he, do, will he make an early commitment? And we, we heard pretty strongly that it was going to be December, you know, and that they were going to see the entire process through. And so, while it was not ideal for say South Carolina to have him go to Georgia the last weekend, you would have much rather gotten him on your campus for an official and unofficial whatever. Um, really, the only difference in the official is you know it's an official like forty hour time, forty eight hour time frame, and you know you can pay for a meal, whatever. Not not a huge difference with Jordan Birch. With some kids, it might be. Um, so it would have been better for South Carolina. I'm not diminishing the the value of Georgia getting that last official, um, but. I saw it as, as almost more of just a way to finish out the process. I mean, he he had been to Georgia during the season. He went there in July for a social event. But it was more of, you know, he's been to – Clemson, he hasn't been there since July at all, mm-hmm. right? South Carolina he's been to a bunch of times, whether it's during the season, three weekends in a row in the summer, a couple games during the season. Even the, the Georgia game he went to, he watched South Carolina play and win. And so, you know – I think it was a little bit more of okay, take this final trip to Georgia, we're still not sure, make sure how did it go and, and all indications are it went very well and it threw a wrench into things, you know, but i i don't I didn't look at that especially in this recruitment say, okay, that means he's going to georgia i i, I just don't I don't think you make that leap at all See, because think- you you could also say where has he been the most where which coaches have gotten the most face time with him, and that's South Carolina and it's not even close, you know. But but does that mean he's definitely one hundred percent going to South Carolina? Either no, it hasn't meant that necessarily. I, so it's I, South
0: Carolina, Georgia, and LSU at this point, honestly,
2: realistically. I I, I don't I don't know if I would ever completely count Clemson out either. Even though I hadn't been there since July. Yeah, I mean, I, okay. not that I'm saying I think he's going there, but uh, I just, of those
0: four, because it sounds like never, uh, like you said earlier, Alabama's maybe out. Of those four, of them would would Clemson surprise you the most?
1: Right. <laughs> Probably, yeah, probably. But it's also really, really tough for me to see them going all the way to LSU because of the distance factor. But I do know that they really love LSU at Orgeron. The, the visit was like a really good one. I, they really love the idea of LSU.
2: I think if LSU was like in Athens,
1: then mm, I might honestly, be going there. I honestly yeah. think he
2: might have committed to LSU like <laughs> yeah. earlier this season. Like, I, I feel like he's always not always, but you heard a lot of buzz about LSU. Yeah. Really during the season, and I, I committed to LSU this summer, um, and it paid off. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. It's been, it's been strange, and I, I, I took the Georgia visit not necessarily as he's going to Georgia. I took the Georgia visit as more confirmation that he's torn and still looking for the right place. Um, I think if he was set, I think if he was set on Georgia. I don't think he puts it on his Snapchat, honestly, after sort of being secretive about everything, yeah. all, all recruiting process. Then you put it on your pu- your very public Snapchat. It's not like something all of his friends see. Anybody can look at the thing. And uh, you put it on there and sort of, I don't think you tip your hand. I, I don't think that it's some big conspiracy either. I, I think he was just, I think you're still taking that visit because you're not sold. A lot of people thought he was definitely going to South Carolina. The last couple of weeks, I, I don't think, I don't think he's was completely sold on that. I think Georgia was like, "Hey, let's let's go take another look at Georgia and see, you know, if, if this is where where I want to go." I, I think, I think the kid is truly trying to figure it out, and all of us are truly trying to speculate with limited information on what's going to happen. And the the fun and frustrating thing about recruiting and following it and covering it is that it's very very fluid. So somebody somebody may get ripped for information they post on one day, and say, oh, well, well, you were incorrect. Well, they have they might have been completely correct when they said it. But then it might have changed within the hour. And they, this is like – Chris and I talk about this a lot. This is like true big boy recruiting at this point. Like, you're South Carolina. You're battling with Clemson, who has won two of the last three national championships. You've, you're battling with Alabama, even though we think they're probably out, who – obviously, is your modern-day dynasty. You're battling with LSU, who's the number one team in the country right now. You're battling with Georgia, who has won the East how many times in a row and played in a national title two years ago. So you're 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 battling with four teams that are either about to play in the college football playoff or have played in the college football playoff within the last couple of years. So you, you are truly in big boy recruiting. And one thing we've kind of tried to condition our subscribers to sort of notice and realize is that, even for, for Alabama, for Georgia, for for your big boy Ohio State, they have to battle for guys to the very, very end, too. They have to jockey mm-hmm. for position. So if you're South Carolina, you know, yeah, the kid's in Columbia. Yeah, you know, Jackson Muschamp is right there at his school. But also, you're coming off a 4-8 and eight season battling with programs that have, have had big years. So, you know, I, I think you're, you're talking about an all-out – final recruiting like war to land jordan birch and i i think it, it's still ongoing and I, I think it could go any number of ways and guys it it may be it may be still going in the the minutes up until his announcement so if, if it dude if anyone had actual behind the scenes access to this it would make a great like 30 for 30 yeah. at this point <laughs> oh, i was
0: gonna say so y'all are recruiting experts i'm just a I don't know, curious third party, but really who we need talking about this is like a novelist, a documentarian, and a psychologist. Because this is... I don't know. Here's the real question, though. This is a real question that no one's asking, except for me. And this is where my being a uh, just a third party comes in handy. How good is Jordan Birch?
2: I think he's really good. Yeah? I I think the potential is... Through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he—he's he's not Jadavian Clowney.
1: No. no one is. It's Everybody's right. got to stop that. No, yeah. Yeah. I'm no, no, not no, saying, no. I know no, you're no, not no. bringing yeah, yeah. it up, but like every time there's a good D lineman, how good is he compared to Clowney? The answer is right. always not, not as good. not as good. Yeah, I don't care who Listening it is. To Mike
0: Bobo talk about Clowney in the press conference yesterday was amazing. Yeah, and we're gonna get to that. Is he as good or better or worse than
2: Zach Pickens? I think he, the potential is there, but I think he's very, very different. Yeah, totally um, different player. Different player. Yeah. Um, this I think he's a true so you know some people are convinced even Jordan ends up possibly as more of an interior type guy I, I think he's an edge guy um I think you'll actually see him drop a little bit of weight first when he gets to college and gets in a strength conditioning program um you know I think he's an edge rusher I think he's a I think the first step the uh, just if you look at the guy that is that big and can run like that, you, you go after him because that's what that's what everybody is looking for. Um, past that, you know how how well he does in college is going to completely depend on Jordan Burch and you know. But
0: he's every bit as worth the hype. As I mean, there's been more hype around him than I, than anyone I can remember since like Clown Air Lattimore.
2: Yeah, well, I think I think some of that is the high ranking. I think some of that is just the fact that nobody, nobody everybody knows, is yeah. intrigued mm-hmm. by. Like I I was thinking about this. Last night when we were on our way back from the Shrine Bowl. At this point, it's kinda like if you're watching a mystery, you just want to know how it ends at this point. Y'all see knives out yet? Nah. Oh, You have to. Um It's a mystery. But you know, you I think at this point you're just like, I, I wanna see how the story ends. What what's gonna happen here? And um he's and, and he's,
0: we'll find out tomorrow
2: at two thirty. We should. <laughs> should find out.
0: Yeah. You know, here and, and the Wednesday thing
1: at two thirty. You've already yeah. hit on the, you've already hit on this a little bit, Wes, but I mean, even if a staff, whoever it may be, is told by all the relevant parties it's happening, it's done, this is where we're go- committing to, this is where we're signing, that staff is still gonna be like, Let's tune in. You know, yeah. just you just just because of how this one has gone. I mean, that's that's sort of the reality of it. Wow. Fun stuff. Jordan Birch.
0: Are y'all enjoying this, or is it stressing you out? Wes seems like he's enjoying it.
1: Chris, are you enjoying this it? This one's been stressful. Yeah, yeah. this one's been str- It's been like one of the more, uh, yeah. for me, probably, probably one of the mean, more difficult ones. You probably get another
0: prospect like this for another 10 years. I mean, this is kind yeah, of unusual, maybe not. right? We, Someone we don't know. This high caliber that Carolina's in the mix with, so it's worth y'all covering it, and that has just been so inscrutable in terms of the entirety of the process. I, I feel like yeah. Wes is about to write a book. That, that, that's the lesson? one.
1: That's the one. Yeah. You know that. That's all those factors combined. Like the, he's in state. Mm-hmm. He goes to a school that Muschamp has ties to. He's a five star. He's a D lineman. You know you you're battling all, all, all the all these big programs. Boys yeah, involved. all the big boys. And then on top of that, it's super quiet. Mm-hmm. And, and it's hard to get. Yeah. So it's just yeah. such
0: an odd mix. But so you're more stressed by it than excited by it. Although you're the writer, you're going to be the one that writes a book about it the other day. Wes is the one that's that's going to read the book. He's going to buy your first
2: copy because you seem just. Thrilled by this. Well, go ride it. Are you more excited than stressed out by this? I mean, at this point, yeah, I'm just like okay, let's good. see, let's see what happens. Cool. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to be there. I'm, I really, honestly excited to see what the buzz is like in the gym. I'm glad it's in. This is completely selfishly. I'm glad it's at Hammond instead of Florence in Florence because I live five minutes from Hammond. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. It, it'll be, it'll be fun to see it come to a close as well, but. That's every signing day. <laughs> you know, I, I enjoy signing day, but also there's nothing better in this job than the night of signing day. Mm, you need like, to sleep. Ooh, it's over. Yeah. But hey, there's more storylines for signing day as well. Right.
0: Yeah. So we're going to run through Jordan a list Birch. of these other guys of uncommitted targets that hopefully South Carolina will ink. I don't think these will all take 30 minutes to talk about. <laughs> Next up on the list that I have here is
2: uh, Jaheem Bell. Yeah. Jaheim, um deciding between. Uh, Oklahoma, Florida State. I think the short answer is that the Gamecocks have been in really good shape for a long time. I think the short answer is that we still feel good about that. We in agreement there, Chris? Um, we are in agreement. Okay. Um. We I guess we'll go ahead and say we will have coverage um, of the announcement. So, yeah, I think that'll be a good thing for the Gamecocks. And, and you know, he's a good player, very athletic. Um. Yeah, so what kind of player is Jaheim Bell? He's sort of your modern-day kind of hybrid tight end. He's a guy that's not your traditional, you know, 260-pound tight end. He's, He's not Chandler
0: Farrell. <laughs>
2: no, he is not. Um, <laughs> he, uh, You know, you can move him around. He's going to catch the football, good ball skills, um, athletic. And and really, I, I think the interesting thing there is you've got some versatility with uh, Jaheim and then Eric Shaw, both of which could play a number of positions. Eric, like Chris said, has been outstanding at the uh, – the all-star game out there in Alabama, Mississippi game, and he could potentially play some outside linebacker, maybe some Buck, Shaw could. So I think bringing in Bell is also a versatile guy. You can sort of, I guess, pick where those guys fit in the best.
0: So, I mean, is he going to be Jared Cook slash Busta Anderson? Is he, like, a little bit closer to what Kyle Markway did just in
2: terms of being a balanced guy, or is he going to be more of a true pass catcher, do you think? I would say uh, I think he's more of a pass catcher. Type guy. I don't know if Chris wants to. Fight yeah, I mean it's one, hard but.
1: to, you know, he he's he's different body type than those first two you mentioned. You know, he's a little bit. he's know, more of a six three. Yeah, he's six, three, two, i Like kc
0: Crosby kind of tight end.
1: Yeah, but he, he's a little bit, you know, even a different body type d- type of body type than kc A little bit more of that H back like type. I mean, he could play in line, but he's a guy that you put out as sort of an H back, or you put him in the slot. You know, I mean he really he could probably go and just straight up play receiver in some situations which when you're putting him in the slot as a tight end he, he sort of is that but he can go out there on the edge and block for you like athletically he's good enough to where if if somebody said hey go play linebacker or something like he could do it you know i mean i think he's that good of an athlete and he was having a really good season last uh this past year his senior year before he unfortunately got hurt but um yeah i mean just Really good route runner, good ball skills, guy who's who's got some uh, dangerous ability in the open field, and he's a mismatch problem. I mean, like you think of, um, you know, not same type body type as this guy either, but you think about how Florida uses Kyle Pitts, you know, and he's a guy that they can put in the slot, and he can create a lot of one-on-one matchup problems for you. And I think if you use Jaheim Bell in that sort of way that he could do some similar things in the passing game.
0: Next guy on the list, and you already touched on him a little bit Wes, Malik Heath, wide receiver, balance, speed,
2: possession. Oh, I don't I don't know. Um I, I think uh with Malik, probably I think we agreed, Chris, a little bit of a long shot. Um we're gonna keep, I guess, yeah. checking on him. But um Mississippi State's been the spot for a long time. Um he signed with them out of high school, right? Yep. Okay, yeah. So he signed with them. You know, they placed him at Juco. That's sort of been the, the place he was headed. But Florida has, has gotten heavily involved. South Carolina has sort of quietly remained involved. And, um, you know, we'll see. I, I plan on trying to touch base with him and seeing uh, sort of what his plan is for Wednesday. But I'd say a little bit of a long shot, but at least he got a guy to keep an eye on um, on Wednesday.
0: All right, I have one more guy. In the uncommitted targets category that is expected to sign during the early signing period, let me know if I need to add someone to this list, but the last one I have is Reggie Grimes.
2: Yes, uh, Reggie currently committed to Oklahoma. Um, Looks like he's going to wait until February. Um, We'll be continuing to track that as well. Um, I believe Oklahoma will probably make one last push to try to get him to go ahead and sign. So, again, some of these situations are fluid. But at least on what's being said right now, um, it's that he's gonna wait till February, which I think uh I think helps South Carolina, obviously, because if it was Wednesday it would be Oklahoma. I also think uh Chris, uh I think this guy also could be a guy that once once everything settles and everybody looks at their classes, um, they may say, Oh, this is a six five two hundred and what, forty? pound defensive end, other schools may circle back because once the original signing day hits, the value of who's left over can sometimes rise considerably if a school did not hit their needs the first time around. So I think on paper, yes, this could really help South Carolina that he waits, but also I wouldn't be surprised if some other schools didn't sort of jockey into this conversation as well.
1: Yeah, I mean FSU had him in for a visit already, but I could see, you know, like Ole Miss is one that's had involvement, mm-hmm. you know, with Kiffin in town now and him revamping his coaching staff. Do they try to get another look? I, I don't get the feel that Alabama really takes another look. It just seems like, you know, really they're they're recruiting Philip Webb, who who I think last we heard was more likely for LSU, but really their their edge rush board is sort of full right now. Um, so yeah, you're exactly right. The the market sort of value increases for a lot of these guys and then things can get really interesting in january because then you got another contact period um you got phone calls you got official visit possibilities you got Contact period where coaches can go out and visit so um, It could get even more interesting, but if he does indeed wait um then then south carolina would sort of I think almost automatically become Maybe even the front runner, you Mm -hmm. know, I, I mean if if he waits I really think that opens the door a lot
0: Two more uncommitted targets for Carolina that aren't expected to sign in the early signing period. Uh, I think they have February timelines and you already touched on both of them earlier uh, Henry Parrish and Jukari Caldwell. Are those guys that Carolina is going to try to hold spots for until February? Or is it the kind of thing where if they fill up this class in the early signing period, then those two guys are on the outside looking in?
2: No, I think, um, you know, especially, you know, I think actually both those guys, they, they would love to have them in the class. Um, I already have a prediction in for South Carolina with Jakari Caldwell. Um, South Carolina survived a visit to Baylor this past weekend, which was actually an important visit for him. They were sort of the first to jump in with an offer, and uh, he likes their coach a lot, likes their um, offense, stuff like that. But I I would feel pretty comfortable saying South Carolina ends up landing Caldwell. Especially uh, if Matt Rule takes the Cowboys job, which I've heard floated around some NFL circles. That would definitely impact things. (laughs) And, uh Then, uh, you know, he's going to visit South Carolina in January. They'll get the last visit. I think that's by design. Um, You know, this is your classic in-state guy that was wanting an offer from South Carolina, got it. And, um, you know, I think that was pretty straightforward. Chris, you want to hit on Henry Parrish? Do you you think Henry Parrish is a guy that South Carolina fans should still be paying attention to? Or do you think it's more of a super long shot?
1: I mean, it, it was the, the way that it sort of happened is, you know, he took an official visit to Columbia in the summer and things looked great for Carolina. But the problem was, you know, he wanted to wait to actually announce it. Okay. And so then you always get, okay, well, well you know, why? And you got to work through that. But as time went on with him being a Miami guy, he, he st- kept picking up more offers in state schools, kept digging around a little bit and their momentum was sort of lost a little bit. It's tougher to get a guy like that back to your campus consistently because he already took his official. Uh, And so I think the chances started going down there a little bit. Then he was another one that we had been told directly was impacted a little bit by some of the the fallout with the presidential comments and all that sort of. That was another aspect of it, so I think you combine those two things. So the feel right now is he's a little bit of a longer shot, but – I think with him waiting until February, he's going to fall in that category that Wes was talking about of, all right, how does the board fall for everybody? Because Florida, they've got a couple guys on the board at running back. They've got a few guys, rather. Parrish is one of them, but there may be some guys that are a little bit higher right now. So will they land one of those? If so, then maybe he's not on their board. Then you got Mike Norvell at FSU. He's been recruiting Parrish, too. Miami's, you know, a little in the mix. Ole Miss just jumped in with Lane Kiffin. You know, South Carolina's is still out there. They're still recruiting him actively, but I think there are just a lot of questions right now, um, with with where that one may go. And I don't think it'll be sorted out yet. And and another thing, I mean, like Wes said, you're not gonna take four running backs in the class. You know, you got two right now with Marshawn Lloyd, Rashad Amos, and then you got to look at the fact of you know you got Zaquandre Wright out there. There's still some questions there. He won't sign until February. Then you got Parrish. So. Um, I, he's still a guy that you track he's a he's a longer shot right now but could things change sure you might have some changes there and, and he's still worth tracking and he's a freaking difference maker yeah he's like, a good player yeah stunned. so
0: yeah, so there you go if you want to monitor that GameFactCentral.com that's the place to do it if you're not a subscriber and you want to be for this busy time of year with basketball and recruiting and everything you can, ex- you can use the exclusive podcast code GCPod to get a month for free or Y'all have great deals on annual subscriptions right now, right, Wes?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, shoot, man, we'll just give them all the options right now. Um, just come, here's the buffet of just game come subscription on board. Options. However, however you get in the door, we're gonna give you many passwords to get in the door. Use any of them. We don't care. Just come join us. First GC Pod, that's thirty days free. Right? That's if you're not sure yet. You want to check us out first. But the problem with that is that you don't get any of these other two deals if you go ahead and burn your code now. I would suggest using one of these other two codes because then you get in the door for longer and you get a great discount. First being, just type in Gamecocks. Uh, that's the team you pull for. It's easy to remember. You get 50% off your annual subscription, so you're paying forty nine ninety five as opposed to ninety nine ninety five. 95 And then I think if you um, otherwise want to get some free gear, for Christmas, maybe for Christmas present, maybe for yourself, you can just use the code Nike, and with the Nike code, you get 25% off the annual subscription, so you're talking about 75 bucks, and you get, sit, you get sent an e-gift card to Nike, Nike.com, actually works at Converse.com if that's more your flavor um, as well, and uh, you get $75 there, so you're actually, it's evening out to zero um so you you have options here gc pod is 30 days game cox is 50 percent off nike is 25 percent off but with a 75 dollar gift card to nike
0: and chris yeah. liked the converse part of that he, he just perked up he that was a dog. yeah i feel like you should learn something you new today
1: <laughs> i might sign i mean i get a free subscription i'm an employee i might sign up for the thing
0: uh it is a great deal so just to support west that's the best place to keep up with everything going on during early signing period during National Signing Day, spring is like just around the corner uh, at Mike Bubba's press conference yesterday. He said he it said starts like February 26th. <laughs> so spring is right around There's the corner. There's no breaks. Basketball's but, uh... in full swing. Um, so yeah, check out GamecockCentral.com and also subscribe to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network because we do this every week. Colin Taylor and I have started doing the As Yet Untitled South Carolina Basketball Project, which I'm, get I'm a name leaning I'm leaning cock block because um, someone suggested that on, on TIF and I thought that was phenomenal. Uh, Title still pending, and we are taking suggestions, that's but good, uh, we're going to be recording one of those later this afternoon as well, and the podcast is free, so rate, review, subscribe to that to make sure
2: you get it. And before we get out of here... Our special on Wednesday is free as well. Our special? Our special show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's,
0: say, that's what I was going to plug. Before we get into uh, a few four-eyeball evaluations here, tomorrow, as I mentioned at the top of the show, 107.5 The Game is the place as well as Gamecock Central. It's a great collab. We like collabing clearly. 9 to noon tomorrow on 1075 the game. Gamecock Central takeover, early signing day extravaganza. Wes, Chris, me, Pearson, Bill Gunner. I don't know why Bill's there. He's kind of crashing our party. We got a good thing going he's he's totally going to totally going to mess with our vibe, but I guess we'll we'll do our best to make it work. But yeah, be sure to tune in to 1075 tomorrow 9 to noon and just like all day cuz it's going to be a lot of stuff, but
2: y'all are going to be on 9 to noon. Should tomorrow. I tell him about our first guest?
0: Yeah, tell him about the oh. first guest. We'll yes. reward the people that stuck it out through all For, this. Through all this? Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, I I would say he's the face of the class. Um, you always got to have a quarterback. We had mm. Ryan Helensky last year. Yep. We have our boy Luke Doty already locked in, sealed, delivered. He's calling in. It's done. It's a done deal. What
1: time? A.K.A. Dotes McGoats.
2: We'll see what time. I think it's going to okay. be first hour. Okay. Um, I just need to know because I'm going to have to call him because I'm going to be running the board. Oh yeah, I think I think uh, not maybe nine fifteen or so, okay. but we're we're still working out those details. Mr. Football, Luke Doty. Mr. Football, Luke. Lucas Doty.
0: H. Doty. Yes. Um, I give everyone random middle initials like Joseph A. Burrow.
2: There you go. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be fun. We'll, we'll we'll probably have some other guys on as well, but that I feel very comfortable about that one actually happening. So we're gonna yeah. promote that one. <laughs> Looking forward
0: to that. Awesome. Um, all right, before we get out of here, y'all both. You got your two sets of eyeballs, and neither of you wear glasses. So, four-eyeball evaluation on the Shrine Bowl. What
2: would you see? Who would you like?
1: Yeah, we got to check out practice yesterday. And, uh, you know, it was actually... It was riveting stuff. Well, as as the Shrine Bowl practices go, based on past couple years' experience, it was actually a better practice than typical Monday practice at Shrine Bowl. Uh, there have been some real yawners the past couple years. Uh, but we did get to see some guys. I mean, Jacari Caldwell was one that... We both watch pretty closely from Northwestern, given that South Carolina fairly recently offered and want to add him to this class. He's a guy that's got some length to him and, um, you know, has good hands, really did a nice job in the seven-on-seven period, Um, had some good battles with Andrew Phillips out of Malden, who's going to Kentucky, Um, made some things happen. So, um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, not a burner, has a little bit more of, like, long type of speed, Uh, but he's an intriguing guy, and I think he's gotten a lot better um, you know, maybe from sophomore to junior and junior to senior year um, and, and an intriguing option for the Gamecocks there. So I thought he looked good. Uh, Tonka Hemingway I thought had a good day, Gamecock commitment out of Conway. He's, you know, a three-sport athlete that I think when he focuses on football only and is really dedicated in, in the weight room to football training only and is able to settle on a specific weight that they want to get him at, he's capable of playing inside or outside. Um, Trey Jones moved around really well on the offensive line. Tyshawn Wanamaker, huge <laughs> lower body, absolutely huge. Um, you know, those are those are really the the main guys I think that we watch. Who, who else did we see up there?
2: Well, I tell you, non gamecock related. Uh, yeah. Mason Garcia, quarterback, yeah, he was impressive. Um, Carolina Forest, uh, dude can sling. Brother it. of Yeah. <laughs> That's not, know, true. I, I think, uh, <laughs> that's not true. I think that's not true. I think you know a guy that probably, if if you know in another world, maybe would have had some some other offers and uh, just big has a big time arm. Is a, a kid that can get it done and is currently committed to ECU, but I, I think some other schools are still sniffing around there. And he's a very high upside guy. Um, let's see. I mean, that that's about it. I think you hit all the the committed guys that we were watching there on the South Carolina side. Um, so I wanted to get y'all's assessments of some
0: of those Carolina guys at the Shrine Bowl because it was a last opportunity for you to change your mind about my next question, not including the guys that Carolina is still targeting but have not yet committed, not including Jordan Burch, Jaheim Bell, Malik Heath, Reggie Grimes, Henry Parrish, Jakari Caldwell. And let's just take out Marshawn Lloyd because he's the five-star guy. Which prospect that's committed to Carolina right now or that you feel very good about the fact that he will commit to South Carolina in the next three days, is going to end up being the gem of the class. And, again, I'm taking out Marshawn Lloyd because he's the only five-star. That's the obvious answer. Who's going to be the best guy from the 2020 class for South
2: Carolina? You took out Lloyd? Yeah. Or the 2019 class. This is 2019. 2020. 2020. And
0: you said already committed? committed? Yeah, I mean, just the guys guys that are actually going to be here. We're not talking about long shots, Birch, Bell, Heath, Grimes, Parrish, guys that are still up in the air, Caldwell.
2: I, I'll take Luke Doty. So he's the real deal. I think so. Okay. Um, so, I'm admittedly somewhat biased, but, but yeah, because y'all are related. I, <laughs> no. But I, I would bet. Uh, everybody's not related. Um, in South Carolina, they are. You just I just w- gotta look. I just, I, I would bet on Luke and feel good about it.
1: Okay. Chris, I already, I already, know, I who, I already know who Chris is going. I hope you have with.
2: a more exciting answer than our friend Wes. Here.
1: No, I had two guys come come to mind. He's going to say Eric Shaw. Like. Yeah, I thought about Caba. I've always liked Caba. Oh, lot. That's, oh, a good yeah. Because I think Caba could be end up being a, a dude,
0: real rangy linebacker type. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, like a like a Jared Davis type mm. who you know champ recruited to Florida. He was like a three star type out of Georgia. Ended up being a first round pick. Not putting that on Caba. Just saying. You know, uh, really athletic dude. Yeah, I might have to pick Shaw, man, because when you look at this guy, like he's 6'5 or so, and, you know, 210, 215, he can get a lot bigger if they want him to. He could legitimately play buck or defensive end and be really good, or he could play tight end and be really good. He's got almost 11-inch hands. Um, You know, if you look at – if he stays at tight end, out of the tight ends that were drafted last year, I mean – he had, you know, like the first 10 that were taken, he had bigger hands than like 9 out of 10 of them. So, And, and that, those kind of things can count. He can really run. He's physical. I think he's got a huge upside. I mean, he's an athletic freak. So I think, you know, when you're looking at it, I think you bet on athleticism and stuff a lot. And so I'd, I'd probably pick him.
0: All right. Last two things here. Current football team. Mike Bobo was introduced at a very long press conference yesterday. Maybe I don't know this for sure, but maybe the longest press conference for anybody since Will Muschamp got to South Carolina. Anybody on the football staff? Obviously, that's mostly Will Muschamp. Impressions? Anything that caught your eye from Bobo's introductory press conference yesterday?
1: I mean, the thing that caught my eye, besides the length, what was he was just he was really frank about everything, mm-hmm. you know, and and I thought that was that was pretty cool um, because. And I wasn't surprised by it. That's sort of his personality. He's also been a head coach, so when he talks, he he talks like a head coach. You know, he sort of gives, um, but but he says what's on his mind. And so I just thought some of the things that he talked about in terms of he really, you could tell he was, you know, making a point to address the fact of we're not we're not going to line up in in some scheme just because I think it's cool or something. You know, I mean, he even addressed that. He said, "Look, I, I had to change." You know. Um, and maybe in the past I would call plays or I'd scheme up things because I believed in them and maybe my players couldn't execute them as well. And so, um, he laid some of that out. One thing that's sort of sticking with me just talking through this is when he, he talked about Ryan Helensky and how he's got to get fundamentally better. Mm -hmm. And I think we all saw that, but for him to just say it and he said, I I feel comfortable talking about it because I've talked with Ryan about it. Um... You know, and, and just saying they had a long way to go and just all those types of things. I think there was a lot of honesty and he was just really frank about everything.
2: I would say the the belief in Mushchamp and the comment I'm paraphrasing about, you know, I'm going to a place that I plan to be for a long time. Um, I think we all, we all know about the fact that after four and eight that, people are upset they want to see more there is a hot seat and we all know that you know mike bobo knows that but there's some there's some really baseline inner confidence there i feel like for a guy to say i'm walking into this situation and i feel comfortable about it and i had some other options but this is where i want to be and um i think if you're a carolina fan you know that that doesn't lead to wins that doesn't lead to points but that that's important. It was important to have a guy that still 100% believed in the staff and believed he could win here. And um, that that's what caught my eye about Mike Boba.
0: I like listening to him talk about that 2012 Georgia game from the Georgia sideline perspective, being scared of Clowney. And at one point he even said, I, I think we, the coaches, were so afraid of Clowney that it made the f- players afraid of Clowney. Mm-hmm. And talking about how you know tried to trip, chip him, tried to do all these other things that didn't matter. And I think about one play, because I actually watched that game again this summer just because it's fun. Um, it's like one of the most, oh my gosh, like just, just dominant performance from that entire defense. Is that game on Clowney. YouTube? Yeah. In entirety? Um, and you know, just plays where they're throwing running backs at him. And there's one play, I don't even, I don't remember who the running back for Georgia was in 12, but like dives at Clowney's knees and Clowney just straight hurdles him and then just goes and like, you know, rips Aaron Murray's head off or uh, I guess it was Aaron Murray. Um, so that was cool. Yeah, and then, was. and then a little anecdote about how, how thick the glass is in the press box which is funny because I guess when we sit in the press box, the part where we sit, they normally open like the top part of the window so you can hear outside. But I guess on the coaches' sides of it, you can't hear anything. And uh, Bobo was talking to his assistants on the sideline and being like, wow, it looks loud down there, but, I, you know, I can't hear it because of this class. And he was like, whatever assistant who he was talking to, I don't remember, said, you know, it's a, it's a jungle down here or something like that, which is a good anecdote. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, this is a packed-ass podcast. The Board of Trustees is expected to approve a new football contract for the strength and conditioning coach. And we played coy with it a little bit last week, but I think it is not a stretch at this point. I saw it on the front page of GamecockCentral.com this morning, but I I think it's fair to say that his name rhymes with Jaw Paxson. Is that fair? We'll I'm leave it right? there.
2: Yeah. y'all have a great day <laughs> no, yeah. no no Paul yeah Paul Jackson former Ole Miss uh strength and conditioning coach uh, director of strength and conditioning um however you want to say it but yeah expected to be approved um maybe by the time you're listening to this he'll be approved but um I-, I think once signing day gets over with um there'll be plenty more we can sort of dive into mm-hmm. as far as what he brings to the table um his uh, his approach uh, stuff like that I thought it was interesting Generally, when a coach survives through a head coaching change, to me that that sort of means a lot. He's been at Ole Miss for the last two coaching regimes and, um, you know, I, I think was a guy that really it, it seemed like the f- he became the focus of the search, um, I would say, fairly early. And uh, the smoke has been around him for probably the last week plus. It's just been a matter of, like, getting it finished and getting it to a point where we felt like we were completely comfortable reporting it. And, um, we of course did that this morning, but, but yeah, I, I think a, a higher where again, going back to the situation there before, I, I think it was time for a change. I think the guys needed a new voice and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if, if he can be that. I, I'm not going to sit here and just say, um, you know, he's the best strength coach in the world. Cause I'm still, you know, learning about him and, and we'll see, I'm sort of waiting to see. But, um, obviously sec experience, he's a guy that's done it at this level, um, has energy almost all strength coaches do. So you know, we we'll all saw
0: what DK Metcalf looked like before the draft. He's going to do that to yeah. all Carolinas players. <laughs> Confirmed. But yeah, we'll save that. We're, I think, going to reconvene after the early signing period to do a recap. At that point, yeah. we will know a little bit more. Um, and if not, we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. But that is expected to be approved. Again, as you mentioned, Wes, by the time you're listening to this, y'all may already know the details. So yep. um, we're recording this at 10, we're wrapping this at ten twenty-six. On Tuesday morning. And uh, with that, I want to remind you again tune into the GameCock Central Takeover Early Signing Day Extravaganza on 107.5 the game tomorrow from 9 until noon. Read GameCockCentral.com, rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. That's a great way to support it. We really appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you soon. Anatomy of an Ad.